to be here this evening myself. This is a fine crowd this evening, and uh, it certainly measures up to my expectation, and I'm glad to see everybody. I'm glad to have this opportunity to be here and hold a meeting in this church. I've heard about this church for many years, and uh, you've waited until I'm well nigh dead with old age, but at least I'm here to hold a meeting, and uh, I'm going to do the best I can in my advanced age, I might say. Glad to see all those who are preachers, Brother Benny and Brother Michael, and of course there are others perhaps that I'm not uh, recognizing at the moment, but we're just glad you're all here. See people here from several different places, and that's thrilling. And of course we'll expect that and uh, hope for it throughout the oncoming services. I want to read a passage from the ninth chapter of the book of Matthew and verse 9. The record says, And Jesus passed forth from thence, and as Jesus passed forth from thence, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the receipt of custom, and he saith unto him, Follow me. And he arose and followed him. Now that'll be enough of our reading at this time, and at this time we wish to go to our Heavenly Father in the word of prayer. Let us pray. Pray for Jesus in the city of Capernaum. He taught the multitudes and healed the sick. And he also was seeking a group of men to be his apostles. So at this time we find Jesus engaged in the Father's will in the city of Capernaum. We have no record where he had ever met Matthew or whether Matthew had ever been introduced to him or not. But we, of course, believe that Matthew must have known something of Jesus Christ. You don't hear many sermons about Matthew, but I found this to be a very interesting little summary of this man's life. So I'd like to talk for a little while about it this evening. You know, um, Capernaum was an important city in the life of Jesus. Many people don't seem to be aware of the fact that for 18 months during the great Galilean ministry, Jesus resided in the city of Capernaum. It should be laid down beside Bethlehem and beside uh, of, uh, Nazareth because it does play a great part in his life. So then we feel that Matthew certainly must have heard of Jesus Christ. There are many things that took place in the city of, Ma in the city of Capernaum that he could not have been ignorant of. No man could have lived in this town all these days without hearing of the mighty works done in and around it, as the Bible says. Heaven had been opened right above Capernaum in view of all, and the angels had absolutely been thronging down upon the Son of God. Lepers were cleansed, and the demonics possessed. Blind men received their sight. Palsied men, the use of their limbs. One woman was cured of a chronic malady, and another daughter of a distinguished citizen, Jairus, ruler of the synagogue, was brought back to life from the dead. <clears throat> These things were done publicly and made a great noise and were much remarked on. The evangelists relate how the people were all amazed, insomuch that they questioned among themselves, saying, What thing is this? What new doctrine is this? For what authority commandeth he even the unclean spirits, and they obey him? So Jesus, of course, was 
a well-known figure in the city of Capernaum, I think. But down here close to the seaside sat this man named Matthew at the receipt of custom. And he was taking taxes from the people. Now the call came as Jesus passed by, the record says. Many of his sermons were preached and his miracles wrought and lessons were taught as he passed by. I like that wording very much. And each occasion brought forth the needed word or act. One misses much in life who fails to grasp the situations that appear as he passes by from time to time. We sing a song sometimes that states this very fact. Mr. Marvin P. Dalton said, There's a story of long ago. Men roamed in darkness, nowhere to go. One day the scene changed. They ceased to cry. There was a reason Jesus passed by. Jesus never missed an opportunity when he was passing by. It might be a lily that he saw yonder that he made a sermon out of. It might be a sparrow. He might talk about that. He talked about many things. The song says, Men found compassion, hungry were fed. Some saw their loved ones brought from the dead. They found great comfort, came from on high. There was a reason Jesus passed by. I know one thing, Matthew was everlastingly grateful for the fact that Jesus passed by one day. And as he passed by, he saw every opportunity and he grasped every opportunity, even as we should do. The Apostle Paul enjoins upon us that very responsibility in Galatians 6 and 10 when he said, As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially to them who are of the household of faith. In this sermon, we are interested in the man whom Jesus saw. For the writer tells us he saw a man. To him, men were the biggest objects in the world. That's what he came down here to this world for, was to save men. Jesus did not see a tax gatherer necessarily, but he saw a man, and he was interested in him. We wonder why Jesus chose Matthew. We wonder why he passed up all the other people. We wonder why he might not have selected some other tax gatherer who doubtless might have been there. But he chose Matthew. He could have chosen a priest. But he didn't. He could have chosen many people, but he didn't. He chose Matthew. John 2 and 25 says, But Jesus did not commit himself unto them because he knew all men and needed not that any should testify of man because he knew what was in man. Now, I think that's the reason he chose Matthew. And I think he had a special reason for choosing Matthew. You know, I, I noticed also that the record says that Matthew uh, was a busy man. I want to mention here the fact, though, that uh, this man, Matthew, doubtless was an, uh, a disliked man in the community because of the fact that he was a publican and plied that trade. We read about another man who was a publican, and he certainly was disliked. I don't know if this man uh, was an honest man, I don't know if this man was a scrupulous man or what. But I do know one thing. Jesus saw the importance of selecting him. And he saw what was in him. And he chose him. Now I want to notice some reasons why that Jesus doubtless chose Matthew. 
I think he chose him first because he was a busy man. He was busy with material things. He was accomplished in the work that he was assigned to do. He was a man trusted by the Roman government to do his work. He handled money and he was responsible in that, in that particular project. He was a man of affairs with some business ability. And Jesus, of course, probably chose him because he was such a competent man in his work, knowing that he would probably be competent in other works of life. He was sticking to his task, too. He was not lazy, nor was he idle. Jesus always called busy men, if you'll remember. He called uh, no other kind. Somebody said one time that God always calls busy men. Idle men don't have time. And that's usually the way it goes in life. So Jesus called a busy fisherman, the busy tax collector, and other busy men to learn to do the big things in the kingdom. Jesus likes people who will be busy. You know, Jesus doesn't like idleness. And that's one thing that ought to concern people. Too many parents raise their children to be idle. They raise their children to sit around in the house until they graduate from high school while they have servants employed about the house doing other things. They're doing their children a disservice when they do that very thing. But another reason why that Matthew doubtless was chosen was because Jesus saw in him a certain modesty. He was a modest man. Matthew is the writer of this story. He's the writer of this gospel and he refers to himself in the third person. I think that's noteworthy. As Jesus passed by from thence, he saw a man called Matthew. Now that's the way Matthew chronicles the story and refers to himself in that fashion. He does not say he saw me and called me and I rose and followed him and made a big banquet at him at my house. No, many a fellow in telling of this big day in his life, would have written several chapters about it and placed himself upon a pedestal and would have done a lot of horn blowing and focusing attention upon himself, but not so with our, so with our modest man, Matthew. He tells his story in a simple statement couched in 32 words. Modesty is a beautiful garment to wear. It is always becoming the world never hugs to its bosom the braggadocio, the noisy, the loud-mouthed proclaimer of his own virtues. In the gallery of the world's great and noble, you find the faces of men who were quiet but powerful, who, who preferred to walk the lonely path and uh, ignore the popular ways because they were on their way to do service. Didn't we read somewhere in the scriptures where the record says, let another man's mouth praise thee and not thine own. A stranger and not thine own lips. That's what the record says. Matthew was such a man as that. Jesus appreciates people like that. There are men who know their own strength, but they talk little about it. And you love people like that. You appreciate them. You like to be in the presence of people like that. They know their powers, but seldom uh, discuss them. They simply use them. Matthew was such a man. Matthew saw, and, uh, or rather Matthew saw, an uh, humble man. Matthew was a humble man. 
And after years, when Matthew wrote on this wonderful day in his life, he calls himself the publican even. He speaks of himself in that reproachful way. All the other apostles uh, fail to mention that. They ignore the fact and they skip over the fact that he was a publican. But not Matthew. He comes right out and tells you just what he was. I think he wanted the world to know just how powerful the saving love of Jesus is. And that Jesus had wrought just such an act in his own life. And that Jesus was able to do that in anybody's life. In Matthew, Jesus saw a man who was better than his surroundings would indicate. We cannot always judge a man by the company he keeps, nor to the task to which he applies his hand, though usually that is the case. But many are creatures of circumstances. Matthew was one of the black sheep of his flock. He was a Jew and reared in the synagogue but he had accepted a position which ostracized him from Jewish circles. When a man took the job of being a publican, especially when you were a Jew, you were absolutely ostracized. We know that to be the case with the man, the other publican, whom Jesus went to see one day and spent the day with. You see, uh, the land was being ruled by the Roman government. And Rome had levied a tax upon the people. And the Jews were forced to pay this tax. They had never been in bondage to anybody, they said. They were uh, looking to their father Abraham. Rome demanded this. But they didn't believe in paying taxes. Of course, Rome didn't mind whether they believed in it or not. As long as they paid the taxes, you know. That was the thing. So if they want to just sit off and not believe it, that's okay with Rome. But. When they take a position that causes them to extract money from their own people. Now, this was just too much. That's the reason why this other man was so despised and so hated that we've read about before. And I don't know. This may have been the case with this man here. But I do think that he was uh, raised to worship God. Being a Jew, they taught their children. Uh, so we find that he was a publican and a sinner. And you know that in that day, a publican was looked upon with such disrespect till they said it all on one breath. When they said publican, they just said sinner. Publicans and sinners, they grouped them together. Now that's how low they considered them. When they exercised a function that would demand them to pay taxes to a heathen tyranny and sit there themselves and take the money, that was just too much. So Matthew was one of these. But I still believe that uh, the, uh, there still ring in his ears the echo of the uh, synagogue service, which he had heard as a youth long ago. He probably had never lost the hope of Israel, buried somewhere deep down in his heart. I think that was still there, lying dormant maybe. It's hard to overcome the teachings of youth, and that's the reason why that Parents should teach their children. We oppose a system called Sunday school. And we oppose it because we say we believe in teaching the children at home. I wonder how many parents do. That's the reason why we have so many children today who don't know anything about the Bible. They don't go to a Sunday school to be taught, which of course we don't believe in. But they live in a home where it's never taught to. 
what they get it's just the crumbs that fall from the table now they do get some instruction at the church and now and then there might be some uh, passing fleeting story that they may pick up and of course many of them remain faithful some don't but those who do they never forget it they might wander far away but somewhere deep down in their hearts that story still remains and I think that was the case with Matthew I just have to believe that it was you can't get over the teaching of your youth a few years ago I read a story about a man who climbed through the window at 2 o'clock in the morning, went up the dimly lighted stairs and walked through the hallway and looked upon the sleeping form of an aged man. He was bent on burglarizing the house. But on the wall he saw this motto, In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he will direct thy paths. It was as if the voice of his dead mother speaking from her grave. For when a little fellow playing around the dooryard of his home, his mother had taught him those words. And with her voice ringing in his ears, he could not steal. He hastily retraced his steps, went to a hotel, and wrote a note to the keeper of the home in which he sought the motto, told his story, and made the vow that he never again would attempt to rob any man. Surrounded by the custom house loafers with a lucrative salary, enjoying the material things of life, Matthew could not forget the past, I don't think. And when the Son of God gave evidence of his divinity and demonstrated his sonship, along with all the things that he had seen with his eye as he stood out on the outer edge of the circle and looked on over other people's shoulders, perhaps too ashamed to come up closer, I think all of this old-time religious zeal uh, the son of Israel came back over his soul like a flood and he gladly gave up all and followed him. After he no doubt had heard Jesus preach and when Jesus said, follow me, a flood of godly memories no doubt came flooding back to Matthew's mind. So the Bible simply says that he just plain followed him. Got up from there that day and followed that man. I think that's a beautiful and wonderful commentary upon the life of this man. Next, in Matthew, Jesus saw a man who needed encouragement. Most men need it. The hundreds who passed by that custom house each day and saw the tax gatherer sitting at the seat of custom never thought to speak a word to him, an encouraging word. And that's the way we are too much. We see people... We don't talk to them about Jesus. We don't talk to them about the Bible. We don't talk to them about the church. Are we ashamed? Are we afraid? Are we afraid that it, we're not, that we won't be macho enough if we do that? Is this something for the ladies and for the weaklings to do? Do the ladies do this when you're talking about all the other things of life? No one cared about Jesus, about Matthew, it seemed. They just let him sit there. How many Jews do you think passed there? It's a sad song that a man sings who says, No man careth for my soul. Men have to be asked to obey the gospel. Not very many are knocking at the church doors for admission. Not many invite the preacher to their homes to talk over the question of the Christian religion. Men must be approached 
and led to conversion by presenting to them the facts and claims of the gospel. Jesus approached Matthew positively. Jesus knew all men. Jesus knew this man. Jesus knew this man had been hearing him preach. And he knew there was possibility in that man. He had a mission when he stopped at that window that day. He singled out his man and went after him. There must have been something in the tone of his voice and the positive manner that gave encouragement to the yearning of a lonely heart and led him to deny himself and get up, leave his money, and follow the man of Galilee. Many a man needs just a word of encouragement to enable him to step over the line and publicly declare himself to Jesus Christ. How many people have you ever seen obey the gospel outside the church assembly? How many times have you ever baptized anybody outside the church assembly? That's a pretty good commentary on how much we uh, do toward trying to bring people to Christ. There are a few times in my life when I've just been a little bit overcome with zeal enough to just go and approach people. Sometimes you have to screw up your courage just a little bit. And sometimes you've got to be prepared for a very, very uh, uh, point-blank refusal. That's okay. Just say, okay, that's all right. And then be friends right on. Never forget one, if you'll allow me, one personal experience. This will appeal to a couple in the house tonight because they probably know, I know they know the man I'm talking about. I'd been called to Hilden to preach a funeral. And it would be uh, on Sunday afternoon, I believe it was. I missed the last Sunday of our meeting at New Salem, something I seldom ever do. But I was called there to preach this funeral. I had promised and I did. I didn't know that there was one man in the audience who had never been baptized. I knew his uh, aged mother I'd prayed for her in my prayers wherever I was throughout the nation because every time that little old soul shook my hand, she says, Brother Linwood, pray for me when you pray. So it was sort of a sentimental service that night at Hilden. But before going to church, somebody had mentioned to me that, that this man had never obeyed the gospel. I said, do you mean to tell me that that man is not a member of the church all the years that I've seen him? They said, that's right. That night after I got through preaching and the invitation song died out on the air with some responses but not from him, I saw him sitting in back with his grandson in his arms. When we said amen, I just ran down the, the uh, wall aisle to him and I says, Sherman, I'm glad to see you. He said, well, then what? I'm glad to see you. Not knowing what I was going to do. And I said, oh, you know, Sherman, I didn't know till this morning that you weren't a member of the church. Well, he dropped his head. He was a little bit stunned by that, you know. And I said, do you know that your old mother, who was one of the best friends I ever had, asked me time and time again to pray for her and her children? Of course, she's long since passed on. I said, tonight, Sherman, I want to know what's your reason for not being a member of the church and obeying the gospel. I said, that little grandson right there in your arms needs grandpa to be a Christian grandpa. I said, what, what about it tonight? He said, well, okay. I said, come back in, everybody. 
Fell up that baptistry. Just like that. Suppose I hadn't done that that night. He may have never obeyed the gospel. Now, I don't mean to point myself out as being a great personal worker or hero or anything of the kind. It's just one of those times that I happened to do that. Jesus did that when he saw Matthew. He said, follow me. And that man was so stirred in his heart that somebody would take an interest in me. Somebody would love me enough to call me from my life of sin and my life of rejection of God. And I'm thrilled about that. He got up from there and followed him. Luke 19 and 10 says, For the Son of Man is to come to seek and to save that which is lost. Have you ever decided upon someone whom you felt to be a subject of salvation and spoke to them about it? Why not? Are you bashful? If you knew that he had some very, very bad disease and you know of a positive remedy, would you approach them and recommend it? I believe you would. Well, salvation is the greatest gift that you can give to any person. And some people will have an eternity in glory to thank you for having done that one time. Matthew also was a man who let his light shine. Now, after he obeyed the gospel, after he started following Jesus, rather, he let his light shine. After he had made his change, that night, Matthew lighted up his home and gave a banquet in honor of his new friend. I think that's noteworthy. To that banquet, he invited not only Jesus, but the disciples and his old friends of the custom house. This he did that he might introduce the old custom house group to Jesus with the thought that he might win some of them too. He was sold on his new master. He loved his new master and he wanted to point him out to the people. You've heard me tell it. Years ago on the Mississippi River, there were two boats passing. One going one way, one going another. An old black man was on one boat and when he passed, he saw the captain handsomely dressed on the other and he said, there goes the captain. And everybody said, well, what's so great about that? He said, well, I'll tell you about it. Years ago, he said, when I was passing like this, I stumbled and fell overboard. And the captain jumped in and pulled me out. And ever since that day, I just loved to point him out. Well, that's the way it was with Matthew. This man had done something for him that nobody else had done in all the world. And Matthew just wanted to point him out to the old custom house bunch that he used to run around with a long time ago. He was letting his light shine. He was running up his flag for his new master. And he wanted everybody to know now, this is the man I love. This is the man I serve. One time a man accepted Jesus Christ, then went to the evangelist and said, I'm a traveling man, and I travel all over Ohio. In the cities that I visit, I have friends on whom I call and with whom I have participated in pleasures in which a Christian dare not participate. I must return to those friends now. How will I fortify myself against their criticism and derision when they learn that I walk no more the old paths with them? The preacher said, declare yourself. Declare yourself. Write your friends a letter. Tell them of your stand. He wrote the letter. And as he went from town to town, his associates came to him and shook, took him by the hand 
congratulated him and thanked him for his honor and his courage. It's always thus. Declare yourself if you want to resist temptation. Let the world know where you stand. And you've got the right of way. You always will have. I heard of an old man one time who lived in a village. An eccentric old man who drove into the village each evening for his mail in the long years gone by. He drove a white horse and tied beneath his wagon a lantern, which threw its light not far enough ahead to aid him in much in the driving. When questioned as to why the light was under the wagon, he remarked, It doesn't give much light, but swinging there, it shows them that I'm coming. And other vehicles clear the road and give me the right of way. And you let your light shine. And when you let your light shine, people are going to give you the right of way. And you can be assured of that. Matthew began to light up his house. And he began to let his light shine on the very day he accepted the call from Jesus. That was no waiting for tomorrow with him. That was no need to. He didn't say, well, now think about it, Master. You come back by in a week. Let me study this thing over. When people do that, they're not very serious. When people do that, they need some deep teaching. This man, when he heard it, remembered all those miracles he had seen, remembered that wonderful teaching he had heard, remembered that master, and he was ready. He just needed somebody to give him the urge. He left it, walked off, and I don't read where he ever went back to it again. There was no waiting for tomorrow with him. He also accepted the first invitation he heard, just like those people did on the day of Pentecost. Immediately arose, the Bible said, and followed him. There was no delay. Procrastination has slain its thousands. The moment when Jesus invited the publican to follow him was a thrilling moment, and Matthew capitalized that big moment by acting at once. And that was the case. The feast was also, as we have already indicated, an act of homage to Jesus. He made his splendid feast in honor of his new master, as Mary did when she came to Jesus with an alabaster box and broke her box and anointed Jesus with her gift. She wanted to put into something tangible her love for Jesus. Matthew wanted to do something for Jesus. He wanted the world to know that I not only feel this way, but I want everybody else to know that I feel that way. He's so unlike Joseph of Arimathea, who was a secret disciple of Jesus. We've got too many secret disciples so far as they're manifesting their care for him is concerned. Whether manifesting their zeal or their love for him is concerned, Mary, when she came in there, she did something the rest didn't do. She took the high-priced perfume that she had kept in her home, which she could have sold for a great price and gratified the whims of a woman with it. But she brought that and broke her alabaster box and poured it on Jesus and declared openly to that room full of men, this is my Lord and I love him. And I'm doing the best I can. You know, it took a lot for a woman to do that in that day. Women were modest in that day. They didn't walk around looking like men in that day, ready to set up like men and argue with men and boss men. They were quite retiring in that day. And it took some real courage for a lady to walk in a room, for a room full of men. But she did that. 
And of course, the critic was there and the person, uh, Judas Iscariot. Oh, this could have been sold for a great price and given to the poor. I'm like Judas. Or rather, I'm like Jesus. I've heard the poor used for everything you can think of, I think. If you want to get a racket going, you just get out and tell the folks you want to collect this up for the poor. Jesus said, the poor you have always with you, but me you have not always. Matthew wanted to put his love and his feelings for Jesus into something tangible, in something that people could see. Why is that man doing this? There's a reason why he's doing that. He's letting folks know what he thinks and how he feels. What have you done? What have you absolutely... If the Master were to put you on the scales tonight and weigh you for eternity, what would be uh, your record as to what you have really done for Christ in your life? Oh, I don't mean coming to church taking communion every Sunday. Of course you do that. We've all been taught that we've got to do that. And most people do that. But that's not all there is to it. You're doing that for yourself mostly. What are you doing for others? Was this ex-publican seems also to have uh, also the character of a farewell party. To be giving the character of a farewell party to his old friends too. And I think this is noteworthy. And this is where a lot of disciples fall and fail. After tonight... They would go their separate ways. And they would never be united again. Unless they chose to change. He wouldn't. That's noteworthy. When he made the change, he made the change. You know, sometimes it takes some real effort to do that. Peter said sometimes, Peter said sometimes they... Wherein they think it's strange that you run no more with them to the same excessive riot speaking evil of you. Sometimes that's the case with people. I don't know if it were the case with Matthew that night or not. I really don't. In Matthew, Jesus saw a man who was willing to pay the price. I think this is, uh, I know this is, is an essential. It's something that is a must. Leave all and follow me was the order. That is the price a disciple pays. He left the custom house with its remuneration to follow one who said, The foxes have holes and fowls of the air hath nests, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head. Now, do you believe he was truly converted or not? He left that lucrative job that he had and walked off following a man who said, I don't even have a home to take you to. He must have heard a lot of things. He must have known quite a bit about this man. And must have learned something about the religion. He was entering upon a life not of luxury, but one of service. He would be misunderstood. And like the master he followed, rejected of men. But he had a vision. And his eye was upon the goal and he followed it. No one can accept the call of discipleship who is unwilling to pay the price. We've got to be willing to pay the price. Some things must be given up, but everything given up is excess baggage anyway. I've baptized people 
sadly, I must report, they didn't give it all up. They tried to drag a lot of things along with them and wanted to argue with you that it was all right. They never did amount to much. And people like that will never amount to much. One must throw overboard everything that would hinder his progress. Jesus said, he that doth not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. One's attitude in denying himself is the test of his discipleship. I remember when a rich young ruler came to Jesus. Anonymous young man. He fell at Jesus' feet. He had a lot going for him. He was rich. He was young. He was a ruler. And he was a good boy. Jesus, the Bible says Jesus looked on him and loved him. And that means that he was virtuous. He was outstanding. He was upright. He kept all the commandments. He said, Master, what good things can I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said, keep the commandments. And he said, which? And the Master enumerated the commandments of Moses' law. And he said, these have I kept from my youth up. What lack I yet? That's the attitude people must have. What lack I yet? Jesus said, if you would be perfect, sell that that thou hast and give to the poor and come follow me. Some say he was being interviewed for a disciple. He failed it. The Bible said he went away sorrowful for he had great riches. You know, most preachers stop right there. Many times I stop right there and I don't finish the story. Go sell that that thou hast and give to the poor and come follow me. That's not all of it. It says, and thou shalt have treasures in heaven. One thing you can always be assured of. Jesus has never asked you to give up one thing but what he'll give you tenfold more in return. Matthew had realized that. Matthew wasn't like that young man. He realized there's a lot in the future for me. Follow me were simple but pregnant words of Jesus. The men of today comes to men of today comes the same invitation. We're not asked to follow a system, a creed, but a person. Following him determines our destiny. In following that person, we do what that person says. And we do what that person commands. Matthew became a disciple and an apostle and a biographer. And it is today an heir of God. And is today an heir of God and a joint heir with Jesus Christ. It paid Matthew to follow Jesus then. And so regardless of the cost and the self-denial one must make, it pays to follow Jesus today. Jesus said, come ye blessed of my father and inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. I love the old song. It says, Jesus, I, my cross, have taken all to leave and follow thee. Naked, poor, despised, forsaken, thou from hence my all shall be. Perish ever fond ambition, all I've sought or hoped to know. Yet how rich is my condition, God and heaven are still my own. Let the world despise and leave me. They've left my Savior too. Human hearts and looks deceive me. Thou art not thou art not like them untrue. And while thou shalt smile upon me, God of wisdom, love and might, foes may hate and friendships shun me. Show thy face and all is light. Men may trouble and distress me, but will drive me to thy breast. Life with trials hard may press me. Heaven will bring me sweeter rest. Oh, tis not in grief to harm me while thy love is left to me. 
Oh, twere not in joy to charm me, were that joy unmixed with thee. The call of Matthew. Not a deep sermon, but something that's very beautiful and something that's very thought-provoking and something that we all must have if we plan to go to heaven someday. Am I speaking to someone tonight who's not a disciple of the Lord? You never did follow Jesus. You haven't followed Jesus. Well, you must follow him. Matthew was one of those fellows whom Jesus accepted as an apostle. And Jesus used him after his death upon the cross to tell people what to do and to tell people about the Savior. He and the others told people what to do. And you've been told through them what to do. Believe on Jesus Christ for remission of believe on Jesus Christ. Repent of your sins. Confess your faith to him and be baptized tonight for the remission of your sins. You once been a member of the church, but something has called you away. And you've been walking in forbidden paths through the years. Other things have charmed you and led you from the master's side. Time is growing late, and it's time that you begin to look up and realize how far you've traveled and hurry home before it's too late. We thank you for listening to our podcast put on by the Church of Christ at 2215 Plans Road in Bakersfield. If you would like any additional information or you would like to receive a free Bible correspondence course by mail, please email us at info at churchofchristbakersfield.com. Our service times are Sundays at 10.30 a.m. and 5 p.m. and Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. Please make plans to join us. We would love for you to be our honored guest.